Welcome to the National Presbyterian Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Ray Hilton, and I'd like to personally say how thrilled we are to share our sermon with you this week. If you feel encouraged by our messages, we invite you to hit the subscribe button so you will never miss an episode. Now, let's go to the National Presbyterian Church Sanctuary and hear the word of the Lord. The scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. Hear the word of the Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years. After her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm so happy to welcome you to worship today at National Presbyterian Church. I'm so glad that you are here with us, especially as we look into 2024. Thanks, Melanie, for that great calendar. Um, that we are starting our day together worshiping and praising God. 
So I don't know, I think maybe you know this about me, but I'm not 100% sure that you know this about me, but I'm a Washington Nationals fan. Did you know that? Yeah. I talk about the Nats, I talk about the Caps, but just so you know, I'm a longtime fan. In fact, we had season tickets when the Nats played in RFK Stadium. That's how long ago we've been going to baseball games, and that means that I've been going to a lot of baseball games over the years. Back in July of 2017, I went to another Nationals game, and the reason that I did that is because a coworker of mine and I, she and I love to look at the giveaway schedule and see what the good giveaways were. And the giveaway in July 2017 was a blue fedora with a red band. You might have that hat. So I went with my friend to get the hat, and we went early to make sure that we would get the hat. And then we went to our seats, which were high up on the first base side. And there was a family sitting right in front of us, five of them, a mom, a dad, and three teenage kids. Now, I noticed the mom because she was looking very stylish. She had that fedora turned backwards, and I thought it looked very cool. And we sat down, and my friend and I started talking. And for some reason, and I have no idea, because I don't usually do this in public, but I started talking about going to seminary and getting ordained. I don't know why I did that, but I did. And it was at that point that the mom with the stylish hat turns around to me and says, are you Lisa? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Guess who that was? You're never going to guess. That was Suzanne. Suzanne was in my very first youth group when I was a senior at UC Santa Barbara. She and her twin sisters were sophomores in high school, and I got super close with that family. In fact, Suzanne was with her husband, Denny, and I did their wedding. I hadn't seen them since that wedding, and they had three children. And so I got to meet all of the kids, and I spent the rest of that game just reconnecting with my friend and just having a glorious time. And the best part of the whole story is that the Nats beat the Brewers eight to five. <laughs> now I'm gonna ask you to pray. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do that after you're laughing, but let's pray, oh Lord, let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The passage that Mercedes read for us today is full of the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit prompts two faithful individuals to have the encounter of their lifetime to encounter the Messiah. Our story opens with Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. And as is custom, the family returns to the temple for a ritual of purification for Mary following childbirth, and also to present their firstborn son to God for redemption as required by the law of Moses. Now these first-time parents are showing their dedication to their faith by following the law and proclaiming that they want to raise their son in this Jewish faith. This couple is showing that they are great followers of God. And they weren't alone. 
Because the story also that Mercedes read tells us about two individuals who God had called to the temple at the very same time that the Holy Family arrived. Both of these individuals had rich relationships with God. They were devout followers who worshiped and prayed and fasted and spent a lot of time in the temple. And both of these individuals had their hearts attuned to God. Simeon is an interesting character. Luke tells us that he is righteous and very devout in his faith. We learn that Simeon follows the law. He makes right decisions. He's a good example as an upstanding Jew. And we also learn that he has this desire to see the consolation of Israel. What in the world is that? It's just a fancy word for the Messiah, a fancy way of saying it, the comfort of Israel. Simeon longs to see God's promised one in the flesh. And what a longing that is. The people of Israel have longed for God to bring forth the promised rulers spoken about by the prophets that God sent to the people. The Hebrew scriptures are full of prophecy from various individuals who God has raised up to foretell the coming of God's anointed one, the Savior, the Messiah. And the passage that Dr. Hilton preached from on Christmas Eve, the one from Isaiah, is probably the most famous. It goes like this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born to us, a son given for us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah wrote that poetic description of the Messiah in the 8th century before Christ's birth. As Melanie said, 700 years before Jesus arrives, that prophecy is written down. And the Israelites have been looking for that Messiah who will bring light to the world and restore right relationship between God and God's people. And this Messiah, this Savior, will usher in a new kingdom for all. But the people of Israel have been waiting eons for this impactful leader to show up. And so far, no one has. The very last book, the final prophet in the Old Testament is Malachi. And he's the last one to give a prophecy about the Messiah. And he closes this book with these words. Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah, before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of his parents to the children and the hearts of children to their parents so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. And with that, God goes silent for 400 years. No other prophets are raised up and God reveals nothing more to the people of Israel until the angel Gabriel announces the impending births of John the Baptist and Jesus.
700 years since Isaiah spoke, 400 years since the last prophet spoke, the people of Israel have been waiting and longing for the Messiah to come. For peace to come to a broken world, for some wonderful leader to rise up and change their miserable circumstances. Now after all this time, some might have given up hope that God would in fact act on his promises. Some might be tempted to think that it will never come to pass, but not Simeon and not Anna. Those two unwavering servants of God kept faith. Now despite God's collective silence to the people of Israel, God wasn't silent to those two. God was still alive and at work in Simeon's heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who was present at the creation of the universe, the Holy Spirit who indwelled David and Joshua, the Holy Spirit who before Pentecost came to certain individuals for specific reasons to carry out tasks on God's behalf. The Holy Spirit rested on Simeon and called forth the desire to see the Messiah. The Holy Spirit then guides Simeon to the temple on the same day and at the exact moment that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus show up. And God put baby Jesus directly in Simeon's path so that Simeon could take that baby in his arms and hold him close. How random is that? Not so very random. If God can direct me to sit right next to an old friend who happened to be on a trip from Orange County, California, to see a baseball game on a hot July night, God can do anything. And God did that for Simeon. But God did more than just answer Simeon's prayer. God uses Simeon to announce a prophecy and a destiny for the baby Jesus. And that's the poem that Simeon relates, that this precious one will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people of Israel. This tiny baby will be the salvation of the world. But Simeon's declaration is not only good news. There is a shadow side. It won't be easy. Some people will choose Jesus and follow him, and other people will reject him. Our innermost thoughts will be revealed. We will be shown for who we are. And for Mary, her heart will be pierced when Jesus dies in agony in front of her. Those are difficult promises to hear. Jesus' ministry will be life-giving, and yet there will be those who turn and walk away with hearts 
and lives unchanged. And Mary, the mother of this Messiah, she will bear great pain on account of her son. A second figure enters the story. Anna is a widow who has spent the years since her husband's death in the temple. She's known for her prophetic work, and she lives a life of worship and fasting and prayer. And she, too, is directed to the baby Jesus, and she confirms Simeon's prophecy that this specific baby is the one to deliver the people from their bondage, that this precious one will save the people from their sin and restore them to right relationship with God, that this little baby, Jesus, is the savior of his people, the light to the world. And his parents are amazed because once again, they are confirmed that what they heard the angels speak to them was true. They are raising the Messiah for the world. I came across a painting by a Dutch artist, Jan Vantoft. Those of you who are in the sanctuary, I invite you to pull those out and look, to look at them with me. And for those of you online, don't worry, I got you. I'm going to describe it for you. This scene beautifully captures the story that has happening in the, in the temple. Now, the background is mostly shadowed, but there's a stone pillar that's close to the center, and it's, it's visible and it's slightly lit. Anna is to the far left, and her body is slightly turned. Her face is weathered, and she has some white hair peeking out from a burgundy scarf, the same color as her robe. Her eyes are almost closed, and her smile is wide and joyful. Anna's right hand crosses her body, and it's also almost as if she's reaching out to touch baby Jesus' foot. Across from her are Mary and Joseph. They stand at the far right of the painting. Joseph emerges from the shadows, and we only see his profile. He holds his arm at a 45-degree angle with a tunic over it, one that's blue, maybe gray. We can barely see his left hand. And Mary stands next to him, a little closer to the center of the painting. Mary's face is bright with reflected light. She has a proud smile, and she holds her hands at her waist. Her head covering is blue with a white trim, and she appears to be gazing at Anna and taking in Anna's expression of bewildered joy. In between Anna and Mary is Simeon. He holds baby Jesus, who rests comfortably in his arms. Simeon's head is covered with a red hat or a red scarf. His face is upturned, and there's a full white beard, which is highlighted by the reflected light from above. Simeon's eyes are closed, and he has the look of total and complete satisfaction. His deepest longing has been fulfilled, and he is contentedly filled with grace and thanksgiving. All four of these people in this painting have been utterly transformed by seeing and knowing the Messiah come as a baby. Humble and helpless, yet majestic and powerful.
God granted Simeon the desire of his heart to see and know the Messiah before he died. Simeon was, Simeon was able to hold the Savior of the world to his breast and to even kiss his cheek. Such intimacy and connection with the one who came to fulfill God's promise to the world. Such a gift from God Most High to an old man in Jerusalem, all due to God's love and the work of the Holy Spirit. We, like Simeon, have deep desires in our hearts, and we yearn for answers to prayers. Maybe things like restored health for us or our loved ones. Maybe the reconciliation of a broken relationship. Maybe for those of you who are seniors in high school, the admittance to the college of your dreams. Some of you are longing for a better job, or to meet someone to marry, or to hold another baby in your arms. Some of you are longing for peace in Gaza and Ukraine and other places around the world. Some of you long for desires to tough solutions, situations and solutions that seem impossible like maybe climate change or immigration or gun control. I think all of us long for healing for our broken world. And these are important prayers, but they don't go far enough. What if we were more like Simeon and our prayers started with desire to see and connect more deeply with our Savior, Jesus? What would it be like if we were as devoted and faithful to God and as attuned to God as Simeon and Anna were? To be fair, I don't think it's easy to be Simeon and Anna, to be such faithful followers. I struggle with having consistent quiet times and digging into God's word wholeheartedly. I fear at times that I don't get God at all. And other times I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I totally get God. I'm just inconsistent. I need the help of the Holy Spirit so that I don't try to do things in my own power and in my own strength. I need the wisdom and comfort that the Holy Spirit gives. I need the Holy Spirit to bring God's word alive in my heart. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me of my sin when I think I've done nothing wrong. I need the Holy Spirit to teach and guide me. I need the Holy Spirit to nudge me in the direction in which I'm supposed to go and to give me ears to hear and eyes to see those promptings of the Holy Spirit. I do have good news. Because the Holy Spirit is as present to us as the Holy Spirit was for Simeon. Once we profess Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells our hearts and our souls. So how would we be different if we asked the Holy Spirit to guide our prayers, to give us a vision of what God wants us to accomplish through the Holy Spirit's leading? What if we asked the Holy Spirit to put into our hearts what God wants to call forth from us? God wants us to bless and to encourage others, to witness to God's faithfulness, 
to shine the light of Christ to those around us, to care and serve for those who are in need. God wants us to be Christ's hand and feet in our world, to be a blessing and an encouragement through a quiet prayer, a tender word, a loving action. God directs us through the nudgings of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purposes. For me at Nats Park, it was to reconnect with a friend. And God, through the Holy Spirit, has directed my path many other times as well. And I know that God has directed your paths as well. I hope that this year, 2024, we will be inspired by the Holy Spirit to deepen our relationship with Jesus. That we will have a longing to study God's word and to reflect on that word with others that we would enter into worship on Sunday mornings more fully and more present, that we would look at situations and people we encounter with eyes of faith, that these prayers would be the desires of our hearts. In the coming year, may we be like Simeon in that painting. May we reflect the light of Jesus and may our whole countenance glow with the love of the Messiah in our hearts. All to the glory of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us everything we need. We thank you for examples like Simeon and Anna to show us that you do keep your promises. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that fills us, Lord, and guides us to deeper relationship with you. We ask, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would catch fire in our hearts and through this congregation, and that we would transform our city and our world because we know you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're glad that you could be with us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website at nationalprayers.org. That's nationalprayers.org. Help us spread the good news of the gospel by sharing our podcast with your friends and giving us a rating. If you haven't already, be sure to click the subscribe button. See you next week.